This week in the parish of Bourses and Market Structure, ASX declare chess dates no longer viable. LME pushes for a better metals market with less OTC opacity. And ICE has new buyers for its Euroclear stake, while UK Antitrust investigates the LSE's acquisition of Quantile. My name is Patrick L. Young. Welcome to the Bourse Business Weekly Digest. It's the Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast, episode 144. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. This is a very brief reduction of highlights amongst the key headlines from the weekend market structure. All the analysis of the many events of the past seven days can be found in Exchange Invest's daily subscriber newsletter, the unique guide to the bourse business, sent daily to your inbox. More details at exchangeinvest.com. And indeed, this week marked a milestone. The ninth anniversary edition of Exchange Invest was published. We had an opportunity to reflect on what's been going on over the course of the last nine years. We looked through the lens of Young's pyramid of exchanges, amongst other things, and noted how CME has broadly remained in the lead at the pyramid of exchanges top throughout that period of time, while the relative largest loser in rank terms was B3, which dropped from Tier 1 to the middle of Tier 2. London Stock Exchange Group was a dramatic gainer of market capitalisation throughout, particularly due to not only its share price acceleration, which was a minor factor, but also various elements of frenetic acquisition from the Xavier Rolle era, and more recently the bulking up effect through acquiring Refinitiv. All that story and more can be found on our Medium page, And you can reflect on how the exchange parish has been growing through the course of the last nine years as viewed through the lens of Exchange Invest. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly. We welcome your feedback. You can contact me directly, patrick at derivativesvision.com with any comments. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this show, we would welcome you giving us a thumbs up. Or if you have time, a positive review will always be welcome wherever you find this podcast. The CME Group's chairman was perhaps the most high-profile person, that's chairman and CEO Terry Duffy, to appear before the US House of Representatives Agricultural Committee this week. To quote a rather lengthy statement, but it is nonetheless rather on the button, FTX proposes to implement a risk management light clearing regime that would significantly increase market risks by potentially removing up to $170 billion of loss-absorbing capital from the cleared derivatives market, eliminating standard credit checks, destroying risk management incentives by limiting capital requirements and mutualized risk. Under false claims of innovation, FTX's proposal is nothing more than cost-cutting measures that would come at the expense of risk management best practices, market integrity, customer safety, and ultimately financial stability. 
as Terry Duffy tore apart, excoriating the what may be uh, may work for retail proposal to create the unsinkable auto closure versus classically margined CCP approach, which looks, in my humble opinion, a lot like the blueprints of the Titanic for clearing houses. Well, you know what it's like when you hit the iceberg at the wrong angle, or as Terry Duffy described it perfectly, glaringly deficient. Unfortunately, for what could have been a golden week for CME, they were seen to be rather glaringly deficient by their own shareholders. CME needs to start acting like a public company, went the banner headline in Crane's Chicago business as the exchange came under fire when Terry Duffy's vast executive remuneration for the course of the last year, well in excess of $20 million, was voted down by the shareholders. Speaking of larger-than-life issues, the National Stock Exchange of India's co-location scam, the holy hoax fiasco, CBI are still probing the larger plot. That's the Indian Fraud Agency. Well, of course, they're still trying to find out what they can possibly do in terms of knocking down the walls to discern just what's been going on. Meanwhile, in court, things are edging closer to a taste of Lily Rosemary and the Jack of Hearts, with the judge offering a colourful surmise, quoting no less than Bob Dylan. Special Judge Sanjeev Agarwal noted... It appeared that accused A1, that's Ramkrishna, prima facie seems to have been running the affairs of NSE akin to that of a private club. Singer, songwriter, Nobel laureate Bob Dylan once said, Money doesn't talk, it swears, which is a song from the 1964 song album, It's All Right Ma, I'm Only Bleeding. As the judge went on to note, this means that money not only has influence, but it has great influence, even a perverse influence on people. The LME, they're striking back after the nickel nightmare. They've launched a consultation on OTC position reporting for all physically deliverable metals and accountability levels for reportable OTC positions. What that means in essence is it's the first move to try to get through a plan for more regular reporting of OTC positions in all physically delivered metals like aluminium, cobalt, copper, lead and of course nickel. Or as Phil Stafford is of the Financial Times pithily put it, Reform of the OTC commodities market may be a hard challenge, but the LME isn't letting a good crisis go to waste. It was a very, very busy week for results in the parish. All the deals and information were in Exchange Invest Daily, the newsletter no person can afford to be without in capital markets and market structure. As we celebrated our ninth anniversary, some of the highlights were, well, TPI cap, revenue static, pretty much as usual. If it hadn't been for LiquidNet, the company would be entirely static. OTC Markets Group, they saw their operating income Increase slightly, net income though looking good, plus 11%. Luxembourg Stock Exchange, they posted their 2021 financials, which showed a net profit up 20.5%. Equally encouraging numbers from the National Stock Exchange of India. Their quarterly profits have been jumping around in the course of recent times. Net profit for the March 2022 quarter rose no less than 342%. There's only one daily news source for the business of bourses, Exchange Invest, the exchange of information. Exchange Invest publishes the daily digest of everything in the market structure industry around the world in a user-friendly email briefing format from Monday to Friday. 
with additional pith by former Exchange CEO and long-standing fintech pioneer Patrick L. Young. Yes, that's me. Exchange Invest is the unique one-stop shop for the daily news in markets, market operators, and related functions. Exchange Invest is available to subscribers at $200 per user per year or currency equivalent. You can get more details at exchangeinvest.com or email me, patrick at derivativesvision.com. In new markets this week, Japan are going to launch their first exchange for carbon emissions trading, while a new electricity operating platform is going to go live by Q4 in Cyprus. Operations are underway for the massive bridging link of the NSE-IFSC with the Singapore Exchange in Singapore, all the way to the Gujarat International Financial Centre. First product up there, they've introduced negotiable large trades from the SGX Group all the way to India. The Bangladeshi Commerce Minister, he's urging a rapid commodity exchange implementation While lots of eyes have been on Coinbase this week, one of their better pieces of news is that they have backed the African exchange Mara, which is looking to spread cryptocurrency adoption across Africa. Deals, well, pretty frenetic as well there. Once again, all of the information in Exchange Invest Daily every single day of the week, plus the free Saturday edition. Intercontinental Exchange, they're busy paying for their recent acquisitions. They priced $8 billion in senior notes. Interesting there to compare and contrast, as we were doing on social media and in the newsletter this week, with the rates being paid. Three-year money now 3.65% compared to 0.7% that ICE were able to borrow less than two years ago. Meanwhile, ICE made an announcement on their divestment of the 9.85% Euroclear stake. They've got different buyers to those who were originally slated. They're now selling 5.42% to Case de Depot et Consignation, that's CDC of Paris, and 4.43% to what amounts to essentially a sovereign wealth fund of Belgium, the Société Fédérale de Participation et d'Investissement SA. Very interesting to see that we're getting a quasi-Franco-Belgian carve-up of that stake. That certainly means that the great game is going to be a lot more interesting and suggests that Euronext have got pole position when the Euroclear banks finally sell out. Meanwhile, back to the ICE, Wall Street had a few jitters this week over concerns that ICE and Black Knight might hit antitrust. And indeed, antitrust was a big issue as we were heading into the recording studio as the UK Antitrust Authorities, the Competition and Markets Authority, the CMA, announced, as had been thought was going to happen earlier in the week, they are investigating the London Stock Exchange Group's acquisition of Quantile. Concerns there about concentration of technology in the market for CCP clearing. Of course, CCP clearing is just one of the many newfangled wonder things that have been enhanced by technology, even though it's been around for a century or more. If you want to understand where technology is going, then victory or death, blockchain cryptocurrency in the fintech world, my latest book, may be for you. Victory or Death is published by DV Books and is distributed by Ingram Worldwide. While you're waiting for your copy of Victory or Death to arrive, check out our live stream Tuesday, 6pm London time, 1pm New York time. It's the IPO video live show. Catch the back episodes on LinkedIn and YouTube via IPO-vid. 
Most recently, we had a fantastic discussion disrupting Exchange Data internationally with our guest, Jonathan Block, the CEO of EDI Limited. And coming up on Tuesday, again at 6pm London time, we're looking at delivering SaaS through TT. Our guest there is going to be the Chief Executive of Trading Technologies, Keith Todd. In Cryptoland, well, Coinbase came slightly unstuck this week with a bit of poor messaging. Ultimately, they were filing a 10k, things that usually tend to be a humdrum little SEC Edgar affair, but when you've got the world of crypto suddenly reading everything, well, one of the headlines was the Wall Street Journal. Coinbase says users' crypto assets lack bankruptcy protections. That, needless to say, sent a lot of people scurrying for their crypto and trying to move it into a cold wallet somewhere and ultimately causing a huge amount of kerfuffle, most notably for the Coinbase shares. The stock there was collapsing still. Kathy Wood, one person who seems determined to catch that falling knife, no matter how low it goes. Given she was bullish at $380 plus, how low can she go with the share now at or around $100, even after bouncing quite considerably this week? In product news, NCDEX, the National Commodity Derivatives Exchange of India, they're going to be launching futures trading in coffee by the end of June, while the Korean exchange in Seoul and Busan, they're preparing to launch carbon credit futures. The United Arab Emirates, in the week when their esteemed great leader passed away, our condolences on that, the UAE have listed their first Durham-denominated treasury bond on Nasdaq Dubai, while China's newest commodity exchange, the Guangzhou Futures Exchange, announced they're planning to offer silicon contracts in the second half of the year. Technology news this week was dominated by events down under. Once again, it's a delay. The issue with chess, which continues to delay semi-permanently, it's now at the point where the key technology has been rolled out to such a degree that the ASX won't even give a guidance as to when it's going to happen, leading a lot of people such as myself to say that perhaps that's proof that it's not going to happen. ASX's Group Executive for Technology, Tim Hogben, had said last year that only a US-China war could delay the chess rollout. With this degree of prescience, it's frankly worrying the ASX COO has a vote in the upcoming general election, methinks. At the same time, we saw our first Total competitor coming out, Proximity, that's offering a proxy voting alternative for the ASX users and thus squeezing out some of what was going to be the functionality of the chess replacement via digital asset technologies if that actually ever gets implemented. Meanwhile, the ASX was in the crosshairs of the Chanticleer column of the AFR, where they were recommending the ideal candidate for the ASX chief executive role is someone with experience running an exchange and adept at turning around wayward IT projects. The article went on to say the obvious person who fits this bill is Stacey Cunningham, former president of the New York Stock Exchange, who stepped on as chief executive in December after three years in the job. She oversaw a core tech upgrade at NYSE. Personally, I doubt the position will be advertised as poison chalice available to a suitably qualified individual, but clearly after the mess made by all those blokes, it would be only entirely fair, or would it be all too predictable, to leave the clear up to a competent lady. Regulation news this week. Despite the crypto crash, 
The BIS, the Bank for International Settlements, that's the Bankers Bank, their data shows there's unstoppable momentum for central bank digital currency. Meanwhile, in career paths, the current chief executive officer, Vikram LeMay, is not part of the selection process for the new National Stock Exchange of India CEO. Where once nepotism was seen as a benign positive for NSE, the smooth internal transitions to Ravi Narayan Chitraram Krishna are now seen as anathema by an exchange eager for transparency in the post-holy hoax era. To that end, SEBI has received two names for the NSE top job, and it may come back and ask the exchange for more because this is India and of course SEBI has the right to at all points in time veto, accept or generally dabble in the politics of the exchanges. Anyway, SEBI has received the names of Yatrik Vin and the current Bombay Stock Exchange BSE CEO Ashish Kumar Chauhan as potential candidates for the top job at the National Stock Exchange. In big world this week, shocking news, well... Shocking, but not shocking if you're actually economically rational, was the announcement that Venezuela are going to do the old Francois Mitterrand shuffle. It's taken them a bit longer than the French president, who famously nationalised lots of stuff in his first term and then privatised it all in the second term. But now, Nicolas Maduro, the socialist, communist president of Venezuela, who took over from Hugo Chavez, he has decided to start selling stakes via the stock market in a huge series of the different companies that were nationalised under his predecessor. And on that mysterious and magnificent note, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Patrick L. Young, publisher of Exchange Invest, builder of exchanges. I wish you a great week in blockchain, life and markets. This show relates to the business of bourses. It is not to be construed as investment advice, nor are we making any investment recommendations. Please consult an investment advisor before you make any investments, and for goodness sake, do your due diligence and do not make investments without complying with the regulations in your home state. Exchange Invest cannot be held responsible for any investment decisions made as a result of our programme, which is for entertainment purposes only. The material herein is copyright Patrick L. Young at the date of publication, while our music and sound effects are sourced from copyright-free sources. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly, the exchange of information.